Hello guys and welcome to the very last episode of this season's Tea with Timsey, uh, episode 8 and I'm very glad to say I'm joined by the one and only, an absolute giant of the broadcasting world, it is Laura Woods. How are you doing Laura? Hi, I'm good, good, thank you, thanks for having me. That's all good. This is nice isn't it? Yeah, it's alright. What have you got there by the way? It's Tea with Timsey, this might have a bit more caffeine in it than a normal tea, (laughs) it might be a coffee, but... It is tea with Timsey. You're having tea? I'm having a green tea with honey in it. If you haven't tried it, honestly, try it. It's glorious. Yeah, nice. This green tea tastes like piss, but it's good for you. But if you stick honey in it, it like, takes the edge off. And it's quite nice. You've changed. I know. Laura I knew a few years ago, she was like, just give me builder's tea. Norm- <laughs> normal milk, that's me. That's true. How have you been? I've been good, yeah. yeah. I've been great. It's... Um, I always feel like every time someone asks me that, I always say I'm busy. And I have decided like not to say it as much because... Being busy is good and everyone is busy, but it's also boring when someone says, how are you? And you just go, oh, I've been busy and stuff. Yeah, it's boring. Yeah, but I also feel like when you say, oh, how are you? Being honest, right? Because you know how you just go on autopilot, how mm. are you? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I'm good or busy. It's like, no, how, actually, how am I? Really stressed. I'm frazzled. <laughs> I've been, I'm actually okay. I've been, I've been okay recently. Yeah. But you, you've been everywhere. Yeah, I mean, do you know what? For the first time this summer, uh, I know it's, it seems like I've been everywhere, but I actually didn't do any football for any other broadcaster because okay. um, I do Premier League with Sky. Yeah. So then while the Euros was on, um, I just got to watch it and I and I didn't do any work. And you know what it's like around those events. You can take the sort of cash in hand jobs or those sort of things. Yeah. If my accountant's watching that, I don't ever do that. <laughs> yeah. um, but you know what I mean? Like you can take the kind of extra jobs and, and stuff like that. Yeah. And I didn't. I just, um, I just took some time off. I was still doing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday on breakfast. Yeah. Um, and it's just like having your weekends back is so different. Is is and also enjoying a major international tournament, right? Yeah. I I haven't done that since like twenty fourteen. Really? Because it's not it's one that I haven't worked at for like yeah. I worked for the first like week of it, but then after that I was like, oh my god, I can actually watch it with my mates. This is amazing. Yeah. And this it, is what all the cracks about. As well, like I, the the first game I went to was England Scotland, and. Even though like the last game of the season had fans for the Premier League, like a small amount of fans, it still didn't really feel like quite the same. Carabao yeah. Cup had a few as well, but they were like way away from where we were. Um, and I was walking like down Wembley Way and there were just like Scots everywhere properly like going at it as well. It was amazing. Sick. And I just got this like really like buzzy feeling inside me. Like it's like it, it was just back and it's normal again. Mm. And now I feel like we're kind of used to it, even though it's still going to feel different when the Premier League comes back this weekend and it's like properly like full stadiums. But yeah, yeah I just missed it. And, and I missed actually being a fan rather than like going and actually working at the event. When you say fan, you mean Arsenal fan or like actual just general fan? Yeah, I like to just class myself as a general fan rather than an Arsenal fan. Yeah, good. Wise. <laughs> Very wise. I think it is. No, it's just, actually, I was going to ask you, actually, okay, before that, so me and my friend Tommy, right, because we're brainstorming for season two. Oh, nice. Right? And part uh, one thing that I wanted to ask uh, people at the beginning of the show, right, is before we get into the conversation, is if you're having tea, right, three people that you would have like a tea party with sit down have a tea dead or alive who would they be it's like the age-old question in it but yeah, this it one's is. tea on brand yeah and everyone always says muhammad ali or the queen or something yes yeah, like so I, I now sort of have my three it took me a while go on tell so, me your three okay so one arsene wenger but that's just a very personal thing for me right a gent then i was thinking someone like christopher hitchens who's like super just intelligent and just a G. Um, and then I was thinking like, okay, Queen's like, yeah, Muhammad Ali, yeah, but... Everyone says that though. But then, actually, I don't, I don't, did I remember my third one? No, I don't think I even decided on the third one, it's too difficult. Mm. You know what, it is, as you said that, it's quite a difficult question just to spring on someone, isn't it? Yeah. So I might need to have some time. Okay. I like that you said Arsene Wenger because I've only, I've never interviewed him and I've only met him once. Yeah. And I didn't even technically meet him it was on the pitch i think it was 2017 fa cup maybe okay i was doing arsenal snapchat so it was like a wicked job (laughs) it was so funny it was just like reactions to everything oh my god ah it's amazing yeah was it against yeah it was against chelsea it was when we beat city in the semi-final and chelsea in the final yeah and um they were all like celebrating on the pitch and everything and all that sort of stuff. And um, he just walked past and I was, I honestly froze out of like, few, like complete adoration. Yeah. And, uh, and he just looked and went, 
like that. And I was like, and I literally, (laughs) they were on my back. I was like, oh my God, it's him. That's a lie. I met him twice when I was really, really little. Oh, okay. I met him at the training ground. It was amazing. And he's just, he's just insane, isn't he? What a lovely guy. I've, luckily I've interviewed him, like only met him once and I interviewed him. That was at the Laureus Sport Awards. Mm. And that was like, it's just amazing. But I don't really remember it because I was so like, oh my God, it's you. Yeah. So it was sort of like, Afterwards, I was like, did I just do that? That's so weird. Do you get, like, when you interview sports people and stuff like that, do you get where somebody, that you, like, this happens a lot in, like, post-match interviews. Your yeah. producer will be like, what was the best bit? And, and you're like, I can't remember any of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I do, because there is that, like, I don't know if it's being in the zone or being, you know, totally focused on what you're doing yeah. or if it's, like, imposter syndrome or something, but, like... That. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, there are moments when... Maybe not this, because this I'm kind of like comfortable with and mm. like obviously we're friends and stuff. But like when it comes to footballers or anyone I sort of feel a little bit into, oh, I'm not intimidated. No, I But just so, someone, you know, a, a, a person that I'm like, wow. Someone with like a big presence. Yeah. Because what I do is I'm like, I still do this even now. I'm always thinking of my next question. So I'm thinking about that so hard that it shuts off my like ears almost, like I'm not listening. I'm yeah. just thinking making sure that I've got my next question ready. I do that a lot with people like Jose or like yeah. you know, big managed Carlo Ancelotti that but you're like, oh God. I think it depends on what sort of, I guess, interview you're doing mm. as well, where like, if you know, yeah, your list of questions or whatever, but like yeah. I've found, as if I'm giving you tips on how <laughs> to interview people. Like, but like, so for me, and like this, for example, I really enjoy because I don't have to think of that. I, yeah. I have a list of like questions that I know I kind of want to ask, yeah. but it's more, I've really benefited uh, from just listening to the person and actually like hearing what they say mm. and making it a conversation yeah. rather than like, if I need to, I'll ask that next question, but there might be a better question I can use off the back of what you actually say. It's the best, honestly, it's the best advice I've ever been given, which is the most simplest and it's literally just to listen. Yeah. And if you have like the grace and like the blessing of, of time, it's like, and you can get that setting where you can just relax. Yeah. It's amazing because a lot of the time when you get these sports people, you have to get certain questions in and that is what your producer or your company want you to do, like absolutely do. Yeah. But if you can ever get any sports star away from the actual sport and just have a conversation with them, yeah. it's so much better. Like yeah. it's, it's so much more, they open up so much more because they don't want to talk about sport either. Yeah. It's just that if you're doing it for Sky, you probably have to talk about sport. <laughs> yeah, yeah, obvi- yeah, of course. So, I, do, I mean, you would all know that this is Laura Woods, the absolute just G when it comes to presenting <laughs> broadcasting. Because it's been years now mm, for you. Yeah. So you, I guess, like broke into mainstream stuff when it was like Sky and darts, right? Like that was your yeah, yeah. first big, big... Yeah. TV gig, right? So there was, I was literally scrapping for years at Sky because I started off as a runner and then I was like scrapping for bits and bobs. Sick. It was so, honestly, being a runner at Sky was amazing at the time because it was like, you just got to go and work on loads of different sports and learn loads of different things. And I genuinely learned every, every job along the way. Yeah. Because you do, you, you do all of them on the mm. way up. Um, and reporting was one thing that I was told never to tell anyone that you wanted to do or presenting. It's really it's like strange. like a cool sort of thing. Really strange advice. I always remember someone saying that, like, don't tell the bosses because you're here to do this job. Yeah. And they don't want to hear that you want to be a presenter because everyone wants to be a presenter. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, but I'm not like, oh, I want to be a presenter. It wasn't yeah, like that. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah. no, no, I want to be a presenter. I was like, I've done journalism at university. Like I'm, I'm here for a reason. Like I've got my foot through the door and I want to learn the jobs, but I want to be a presenter. Yeah. So I used to, I used to take any kind of, scraps on anything that I could do. So even like the, the post-match interviews or the pre-match interviews rather for darts yeah. um, at the World Darts Championship were like, honestly, like you've been to the Worlds before, right? It is, is unbelievable. It yeah. So imagine like being 21 and walking in and it's like Ali Pali and even with no, no fans, that was the first gig I ever worked on. And I was like, what is this? Like it was just insane. And then yeah. all the fans came in and stuff. and. And nobody wanted to do, we called them quotes. Nobody wanted to do quotes because it's like pre-match interview, um, darts players, like all through all the different like rounds and stuff all the way up to the final. And I was like, well, I want to do them. That's interviewing. And your face and your voice aren't used, but you're still learning how to do it. So I always used all those little opportunities as like learning opportunities. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I'm really, I'm obsessed with people. Like I love like difficult people are actually brilliant in our job because 
it gives you the chance to try and unravel them yeah. or figure out, they're like little Rubik's cubes, aren't they? And then you just kind of have to like tick, 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 until yeah, you get yeah. the best out of them. Yeah. And I loved it. And there were so many quirky characters in, in darts. So then gradually, like, it's a long story, but I just tried everything and I just knocked on all the different doors at Sky and a lot of them would say, no, we don't have opportunities. And then I started doing things like bowling and um, ping pong. That's so good. Speedway, like any, and for me, all of it was amazing. Yeah. So I was like, it's live and, and, and it's obviously amazing. you're obviously you like sport anyway mm. but that i've always said that as well for um when people like ask well can i do what you do or how do i do it right yeah. is that one of the things i've always said is like just being open to do anything like because yeah. you have no idea what you might like or yes. be really good at and so just being so open show it all respect that's the, the best thing you can ever do about any job in our industry i guess it transfers to anything but like show every job that you take on yeah. maximum respect yeah because you never know who's watching and like like you say if you like sport all of those sports i just mentioned like people scoff at it they're like oh 10 pin bowling or like ping pong yeah i swear to god the ping pong world championships were insane that's amazing they that's a quote were, i never thought i'd hear like, from you they were, i swear <laughs> to god like they were so good again it was in ali pali mm. and like Maxim Shmiryov, I always remember he was like the Russian champion and he'd won it like seven years in a row and no one could beat him. And then Andrew Bagley, he was like our English representative, he was in the Olympics as well, went in and absolutely like smashed it up, got all the way to the final. I think he actually beat him in the semi-final and then went on to win it. Yeah. And we were like, oh my God, like Andrew Bagley. And then we were like, listen to me kicking everything out of the way, I'm so excited. Yeah. But it was like the most amazing thing and it's so fast paced. So we'd all just be sitting there watching it. It's like ding, ding, ding. I loved it. I was yeah. obsessed. That's sick. Yeah. And it. then you move on to the next you, thing and then, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like, do you ever look back and like feel there was one pivotal job that you got? Because obviously, mm. it's always when you look at it retrospectively, right, it, it all makes sense. Because yeah. you're just like, yeah, I did that and did it. And now it's like, I, I belong here and this is, you know, yeah. it's really like logical steps almost. But in yeah. the moment, it's like, I have no idea where this is leading, right? Yeah. Was, I'm guessing no. you didn't have like a super plan of this is what I'm going to do. And no, no, because I think when I was in the middle of doing it, I I couldn't, there was no kind of path. Like I remember doing two or three Sky Sports News screen tests and I'm not a newsreader. Anyone yeah. that knows me knows I'm not I'm not a newsreader. I'm not a natural reader either, but that's not me. Like if, if I'd have got a job doing that, it would have been the worst thing that could have happened to me because yeah. I don't think I would have enjoyed it. Um, and you're limited when you do news reading because you're it's somebody's script, it's somebody's autocue, it's somebody else's questions. So the, the, for me, like the pivotal moment was A, being really shit at that. And it destroyed me for like, for like two years. It yeah. destroyed me because it saps all your confidence when you do a screen test and you're shit and yeah. everyone knows you're shit because they're watching. Yeah. And, and it's just obvious. So I was like, oh, I can't be a presenter. And then I went like the kind of long way around. But I remember we went to the Euros 2016, we went to France yeah. and we did like this amazing like tour of France in like basically little camper vans or it wasn't even camper vans they were like postman pat vans yeah. and um like with a really me and Smithy you know Smithy yeah, yeah, yeah. it was like a really good crew and we had this contract Sky had this contract with Facebook where you had to do 10 minute lives every day okay nice yeah. and like for the early stages of the competition obviously that's easy because there's so many games and there's so much to talk about so much about. to bounce off of yeah yeah and then towards like as soon as the knockout round started happening and we'd have like days where there'd be no football and um, I always remember sitting in the garden one morning and we had nothing to talk about. And it was the Euro, so, so Messi wasn't even interested, wasn't even involved. And we just stumbled on the Messi-Ronaldo standard debate because we were reading the comments section and yeah. we were hungover as well. So we were like, we have to go live, let's just get it done. <laughs> and like we sit there with our phones and me and Smithy would have a chat with me and whoever else and you'd read the comments out and you'd get past all the like, get your tits out, all yeah, that sort of yeah, stuff, yeah, like yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then there was one about Messi and Ronaldo, and then we just started chatting about it. And our views for that just went through the roof. Okay. And after the Euros, after we'd done that like for 10 minutes every day, we figured out the formula for, for doing those lives. But I realized when I came home that I'd stumbled on what I like, what I kind of call like my natural voice. Yeah. If that makes sense. So you know when you start presenting, you it's not your voice. Well, yeah, because you yeah. start and you have to play a role, right? You have to yeah. Like, ah, and this is me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is me on Hi camera. Guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's cringe, yeah. and you don't. You're like, that's not me, and that's not who I who I am, or it's not, not my personality. So those lives just gave me 
the opportunity to just be myself yeah. and taught me so how to do it. Yeah. yeah. So that was a big turning point. And then TalkSport, I think, was the other one. Nice. Oh, yeah, because TalkSport, I remember when you joined, and was it TalkSport and then that, that interview came out where, was it on Daily Mail? I think oh, I read God. it. Oh, God, which one was that? Where basically, because it was obviously a big deal that you joined TalkSport, which yeah. is like a traditionally really like macho male <laughs> kind of, you know, standard male yeah. football fan base <laughs> yeah. and then you join and you're like I'm here to fuck shit up sort of <laughs> yeah. but it was great though obviously yeah. it's a massive thing because you feel like there are there are people obviously I, I speak to Alex Scott as well and it's like you you must know now you're like one of the I guess spearheads of of women in sport media which has been mm. you know so like underrepresented and for, for years but yeah. now it's like you're you're one of the top dogs yeah it's weird i still don't trailblazing leading by example but you know what it's funny because i don't i never really see it like that because when i was younger you know i had like all the claire boardings and like all the gabby logans and and i and i was like looking up to those women so so i i usually feel like a bit uncomfortable with it i i get that with Talksport, it's the breakfast show role and that's not been done by a woman and it's and alan's had it for 20 years and and again it's like a a laddie culture and all that sort of stuff. So I do, I get it there. Um, but for me, it's like when I grew up, I never, I never even looked at those women as women. Yeah. I just looked at them as broadcasters. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. And it, and whatever's happening at home, like my mum was always amazing, and she was a rugby coach, and she was never like afraid of any of those kind of environments. So I wasn't either. I just like follow behind her, and it'd be normal. I guess it would. You wouldn't even feel like I'm in a really kind of like male environment yeah. at all, like male dominated environment because yeah even then thinking about that now it's like oh yeah you've got like was it super arc on question of sport yep. as well like, i remember watching that every week and me it's like, too this is amazing ali mccoy and john parrot yeah they were so the best good. do you remember big break oh my god i loved big break, break. was so yeah, good jim davison yeah. yes i loved unreal. it it's so new games what we used to watch that saturday night in gladiators as well gladiators <laughs> oh my god did you watch blind date though yeah blind date with silla black yes yeah, r.i.p Obviously, but... <laughs> See, it was amazing though. It was so good. You know her real name, Silla White. No way. I swear to God. Are you joking? I, re- I, swear I didn't know to that. God. I hope that this wasn't a trick. But when we were younger, um, that was the rumor that her name was Silla White. Why was it? My stage name is actually Silla Black. I swear to God. Google it, and also God register. Yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. yeah, of course. But yeah, so now, but you know what's really weird though is that now you are like one of them as in when yeah, you when you so weird. so when you, when we're kids right and we look at like presenters and and yeah, broadcasters and it's like you know gary lineker is the host of match of the day mm. and you know sue barker question of sport is like now you are especially you are getting to the level where like that is feasible and that is kind oh. of a, a natural next step but i'm guessing you don't think about it right because you don't no you don't take yourself out of you know yeah. your life and what you're doing to look at it in a larger context right? no like i was i was listening to i was listening to jake humphrey's uh, podcast you know the high performance yeah. podcast really good it's yeah. like a better version of this <laughs> no this is this <laughs> this is equally as spectacular oh thank you yeah but, and for a different audience as well yeah um <laughs> so jake's one that i remember he was doing something with someone and he was talking about a five-year plan yeah about having the importance of having a five-year plan and no, I've never, never had one. I've never. never. I'm mm. so glad you've said that as well because yeah. I feel like, and that's also really good for a lot of people to, to hear as well. Yeah. Like I'm actually quite jealous of people who have, who've always had those plans where they went to uni and then it's like, I know yeah. what I'm going to be and I know what I'm going to do and this is how I'm going to do it. I'm like, how the fuck do you know that? Because I have no idea and I've never at any stage had like any plan. Yeah, ever. me neither. I, I also think in the industry that we work in now, it's so different to what it was five years ago, yeah. even five years ago. You yeah. know, you wouldn't like, my plan, uh, maybe when I started out as a runner at Sky, would have been, because the only thing you could really do at that time at Sky would have been a Sky Sports News presenter. Yeah. So in my head, I was like, right, it wasn't even a five-year plan. It was, I was always like, right, next year I'm gonna do this, next year I'm gonna do this. If I'd have like really focused on that, the world changed so much in those five years that I suddenly realized, and my knowledge of the world, I was like, well, that's not what I want to do. Yeah. All these doors are opening and like social media and like online and YouTube and stuff yeah. like that. So, you know, maybe you can have like a broad spectrum, like a five-year plan, but 
you just you don't know what opportunities are going to come up. Yeah, I guess there's no like one way of like I guess no. succeeding or getting to what you want, but it's also more just like it's nice to actually see people who have succeeded who haven't had a plan. Yeah. Because it's then it's like oh, it gives a lot of people who don't have plans. It's like oh, I can also yeah. do it. And sit down and write a plan when you're 18 and see if it's the same plan when like mental. It was you. Everything changes. Like your life changes so quickly. So yeah. I mean, you always because I did, so I did French and Spanish at uni, right? Mm. You did. Broadcast journalism. Print journalism. Oh, print journalism. Yeah. So you always knew you, you wanted to get into some sort of like reporting, yeah. that journalistic side of things, right? Yeah, I, I used to flip flop. So when I was younger, I wanted to do news round and I used to like send in, like, do you remember press packers? <laughs> yes. <laughs> do you remember exchange? Oh my God. Why are we doing this, by the way? Oh this my is so, God. we're showing our age exchange. now. Oh, what was that Ooh, one? Ortis. Oh, Ortis was such a legend, wasn't he? Yeah. Ortis, yes. And there was another one as well. Short change was brilliant, wasn't yeah, it? Because it was like was calling out people that have been like scammers and all that yeah. sort of stuff, which yeah. they should definitely bring back. Maybe they do, I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, all of those like kids TV things. I always remember seeing Fern Cotton on this show called Fingertips. Okay. And like it was, it was just like a, <laughs> it was like a shit version of Blue Peter. Okay. Yeah. Really shit. And she had a girl next to her. I can't remember what her name is, but that's the point. And I remember looking at them. <laughs> Okay, yeah. But that is the point because <laughs> I remember looking at her and then looking at Fern Cotton and being like, I don't know why, yeah. but she's a much better presenter than her. Okay. I remember it at the time thinking, wow, I'm, I'm much more, it's weird, isn't it? I remember analysing it going, I'm much more comfortable when she speaks. Ah, uh, so you, yeah, you sort of had that eye I knew there was earlier. something, yeah, I knew there was something that I liked about it, but I didn't know, and I knew I, I might want to do it, but I didn't know how to. And then as you grow up, like, that job is deemed as, like, a, a dream job, isn't it, that, yeah. that you can't do. Um, so I probably went to uni and did print journalism because it was, I remember someone saying, don't specialise as well in one, in one thing, be broad. Yeah. And I loved writing. I loved, like, creative writing. And um, I like interviewing people, so... All those things kind of put together said like print journalism. Yeah. And I did work experience at Croydon Advertiser and it was fucking awful. Really? Like, it was so, like, it wasn't even what they were asking me to do. The people were amazing, really nice. It was pissing it down with rain oh, for like okay. the whole time. And I was doing like knocking on people's doors, okay, yeah, saying, horrible. Your rent's rising. How do you feel about that? Will you give me a quote? And they were like, Are you from the council? And I was like, No. They went, well, can you fuck off, please? And That's I was like, but can you just give me a quote? Yeah, please, like, I'm trying to make my way in the world. I, wanna I go couldn't give a fuck. Yeah, it was awful. Um, but that's what's amazing, though, because you've done <laughs> you've done so much. Because like, it's nice, obviously, that it's not like everyone who's in this haven't hasn't worked hard, right? But mm. to see it go from you've you've done you know the work experience and the runner and whatever. Like, I haven't even done the runner aspect or anything because my. Ours are a little bit different where yeah. I was like in very YouTube centric land and you're more like traditional TV land. Yeah. But it's nice to actually hear like, oh, you've done all of these things. So it's like obviously des fully deserved <laughs> because you're good at what you do. But also it's because you've had to go through every stage, yeah. which I think is like, were there any times where you were like going to give up? Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember one really clear time where I made the decision. So... Um, I'd done a few of those screen tests and I, by the third one, I was like, this is shit. I was like, I cannot put myself through that again. Because there's so much pressure on, I mean, there's so much pressure on presenting anyway, but there was like a climate in Sky Sports News and, um, and I didn't get any feedback from them. And I emailed them and said, please, can I have some feedback? And I had to really chase that feedback. And yeah. my feedback was, go and watch the other Sky Sports News presenters and do what they do. Oh, I, that's I, stinky. Yeah, and I remember, I, I remember it so clearly because I was like, that doesn't sound right to me and I, and I don't want to do that. And maybe they were just fobbing me off because they were like, oh, she's not, gonna, she's, she's not a presenter, she's not natural, da, da, da. So just, you know, go and watch what they do and it will never happen, essentially. Yeah. Um, and my producer at the time was really keen on me becoming a producer and he was like, You're, you'll be really good at this, do it. And I remember producing for a while. I started producing and I was young and I was the youngest producer at Sky. And I think as a producer, you either get a buzz from it or you don't. And it, like you're in charge. And if that's what you want and that's what you like, 
then you'll go far being a producer. And I liked it, but I didn't love it. Yeah. And I didn't get, I didn't really get want. Get that feeling, yeah, right? I didn't get it. Yeah. Then it, as soon as I'm talking to someone and interviewing someone, that's when like that buzz comes. And yeah. I was like, it's, sick. it's different, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So then I, I remember I made a decision to produce. Yeah. I was like, fine, I'm just going to give everything I've got to producing. And within like maybe two months, I was bored. And then I had one conversation with the presenter and he was like, um, he was like, there's still time to do it because you, you feel pressures of age and like all these different things. You think mm. it's too late to go into something. And he was like, um, you know, why don't you just like make your own stuff? And I really thought about that. And I thought about YouTube and I thought about all the access to the darts players that I get and the fact that there's spare cameras knocking about that do behind the scenes and all that sort of stuff. So I was like, all I need to do is borrow that camera. And I was good at the job I was doing already yeah. on the darts, which was um, assistant producing, which is everything else behind the scenes running that part. Yeah. So I was like, just give me 10 minutes after each game. I'll pop out, do an interview, I'll come back in. And, and I did it. And, um, and then I would script stuff and cut it all together. I learned how to edit, cut it all together, do the voiceover. Um, and then they went out as, as YouTube clips. And that was really the first kind of, that got me other opportunities. Because then nice. you have something physically to say to someone, look, I can do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Otherwise, they're just like, just taking your word for it. Of, like, yeah, I like, please, yeah. I can do it. Yeah. And then you give, you like, it, it, you don't just get it. I don't, I've never met anyone. Don't know if you found this, but I've never met anyone that as soon as you give them a microphone and you ask them to do something, they're like natural straight away. Yeah. It's so it unnatural. Does, yeah, it does. It does. Yeah, there, there's definitely a, a, a learning curve and, that some people are more natural at it than others. Yeah. Like e even just uh, from when I started learning and obviously Poet and Vooch, like the way I think being with two people, it like helps as well to bounce off yeah. like the chemistry's there. But that Poet is a very like natural, just kind of outgoing person that you stick a camera on and he'll be the same kind of wacky person, right? But watch his early stuff, watch anything the first time he's ever had a camera in his face. And then, yeah, he's going to be less yeah. comfortable one way or the other. I always think people look at presenters in the wrong way because they look at them and go oh my god like look how good that person is but that person's had years of doing it yeah that is true years. i never really yeah because i'm i'm guessing people ask you that all the time and like i get asked as well it's like oh yeah you look like you know what you're doing and comfortable right and obviously now it's it's because we are comfortable on camera because yeah. you don't think about it at all but i do remember like the first few shoots that i had to do by myself and i look back as well because <laughs> they're all on youtube as well so i'm literally okay. shaking like a leaf yeah. like and all it was was like saying one line to camera and then it goes into me playing football. So I don't even need to like rehearse or anything. And I just remember I was like, hi guys, I'm here in Qatar yeah. with Bayern Munich. And I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck am I doing? I'm like a, like a cold dog outside. I'm like... <laughs> to be fair, if you're in Qatar with Bayern Munich, that's quite a big yeah, no, shoot. Though. Yeah, but that's exactly. So I was <laughs> shitting myself. I was like, this is a huge shoot. And then obviously it went, it went really well. I was so lucky mm. like that it went that well. Um, but I just, yeah, I just remember that I was like, I was just so nervous and yeah. I was like, I can see it in my face and I remember that feeling. But I still get that now, we touched on it before, um, still get moments of that now where it's sort of that um, imposter syndrome as well, right? I don't know if you get it now, mm. but because you, you've yeah. done it for so long, right? Yeah. And I spoke to Josh about this when he was on the show. Denzel. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. And Josh is like, you know, face of England yeah. and like, he's done so much, right? That he would be the last person I would think would get imposter syndrome. Like, I know I get it sometimes, briefly, you know, yeah. just moments and moments. But he is like, of all the, my, my mates that I've known for years and years and years, he's the one that is like, you're destined to do something in front of camera. You're just too funny and too lively and personable to not do something on camera. So then when he said that, I was like, oh my God, I'm so happy to say yeah. that because that makes me feel better about myself because yeah. I wouldn't have thought it was him. It's, it's really weird that you bring that up because I remember it in lockdowns. So that's when I took the, um, the TalkSport gig, that mm. breakfast show gig. And um, I have listened to TalkSport ever since I was little because my dad was like a, a massive listener. Yeah, phoning so, in on the way home. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like he, he's like, even now, like I was <laughs> when we were younger, all I wanted to listen to was like music, do you know what yeah. I mean? Like Capital or something like that when I was little. And it was always talk sport. So I had it on whether or not I wanted it. And um, he was such a listener that he would take 
do you remember when like portable radios that could go in the shower came up like waterproof oh radios he had one of those for the shower and it would always even in the shower it would be on it was everywhere it followed us wow. around the house Legend. um so it's, it's been a voice in my ear since i was like we're quite little and um so basically yeah 20 years and um <laughs> I, he is like he is the biggest talk sport fan represents that side of the audience, all that sort of stuff. So when I took over that show, um, my first show was day one of lockdown. And you know, we had like no sport or anything like that. And all of the guests, like Ali McCoy's and everyone else, Fred Flintoff joined as well, um, weren't in the room with me. So they were like in different rooms. Yeah. And we had delays, we had dropouts. Yeah. Um, it was, oh, it was honestly, and it's so early. Because it's out of your control as well. It must be really hard yeah. to deal with. The stress was unbelievable. Yeah. And like, I remember like leaving that show and being like, you, you, I wasn't myself because you can't, like none of your jokes land when there's a delay. Yeah. Um, you, you're creating chemistry. You're laughing at times that it's not funny because you're filling space. Yeah. And I, I was just like begging. I was like, please don't judge me on this. But for the first three months, we had no sport, so like we couldn't do anything about it. And we yeah. were doing like quizzes on quizzes and it was shit. And um, I hated it. I honestly hated it. And I, and I was really, I got really depressed because it was, you remember like lockdown was, you couldn't, if you wanted to leave your house, yeah, you could cool. go for a short walk and you couldn't even sit down on a yeah, bench. Yeah. And I didn't have a garden and I was living on my own at the time. And um, I honestly slipped. I just slipped into this like really dark place. It was yeah. it was bad, and I didn't know how I got there. And um, I was speaking to this a friend of mine who's who's really switched on with just like stuff like this, like just um, the way that your brain works. And and he's been depressed as well. And I don't. I'm not saying I was depressed yeah. clinically no, or anything but, like no, that. No, no, but but, but you, knowing that you're yeah, definitely not you're yourself. Just, yeah. You're just sad, aren't you? Just in like a really shit place. And um, I remember speaking to him and he was really good actually during lockdown. And he said to me, um, read this article. And he sent me this article because I was like, I need to I need to leave this job. And he sent me this article about imposter syndrome and I read it and I was like, oh, my God. And everything, everything was like a tick, 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 tick. Your, your mind playing tricks on you. Yeah. And the fact that high flyers in, in all sorts of businesses and walks of life have this imposter syndrome suddenly kind of makes you feel like, oh, like it's not just me against the entire world. Yeah, like yeah. other people feel it. Yeah. And it, you're right. People that you would never expect to feel it actually feel it. Yeah. It's amazing to to hear because I it was there was um my mate Steph, uh, he sent me uh a, I think it was a YouTube video, it was like a TED talk mm. on this guy talking about imposter syndrome and he said the same thing of like everyone in like the highest you know walks of life a lot of the most successful people share that because they're constantly kind of pushing themselves or like in in places they're not super comfortable and like taking on new things and naturally yeah. if you're gonna yeah take on a new job and you're suddenly leading this talk show it's that it's <laughs> un, like uncharted territory for you so you're naturally going to feel yeah. a little bit out of your depth which is good yeah. But I, it's still a weird sensation, even like after doing it for so many years, to still feel like, even like during interviews, it's suddenly I'm just like, wait, what am I doing? Oh my yeah. God, I'm actually like interviewing yeah. this person. So it's weird though, isn't it? And also you read people's mannerisms and you are paranoid that they are judging who you are, what, why you're here, what your credentials are. Yeah. But they're not. All they're thinking is, don't say something you're not supposed to say. Like yeah, it, it's, yeah, it, yeah. they probably got their own piece of imposter syndrome as well. Everyone's talking in their own head yeah. of like, don't fuck this up, don't yeah. fuck in their own way. There, there's like two things that I want to tell you about that as well. So, so this guy who I, to be honest, now I'd class him as one of my best friends because because of the times that we have both had mm. in our respective industries where we've both been rock bottom and, mm -hmm. and felt really shit about ourselves. Um, we've spoken to each other and. He sent me that imposter syndrome thing and I sent him this, um, it was a TED talk as well. Nice. And um, it was this woman called Brene Brown and it's about um, being in the arena on your own and only allowing anybody to criticize you if they've been in that arena too. Okay, nice. So it, it, it casts, it, you can put it across any anything, any kind of business or job that you've got. And I think it especially um, works with people like us whose jobs are basically there to be criticized and critiqued yeah and um and she her most important thing is like you're you're allowing people to judge the job that you do who have no idea how to do the job that you do so why mm. are you allowing that to happen yeah and i think now with every other pressure that comes with life 
having a constant stream of social media is is so so damaging yeah it is horrible isn't it? yeah because i was going to ask you this before um if there's one aspect of your job and what we do that people just totally underestimate or or mm. maybe think isn't as hard as it actually is i tell you what for me it is um when when you are presenting um on tv on something like that versus radio the two they're, they're different jobs entirely mm. um on radio it's the small pieces of air that to have a conversation on air and make it sound natural and let it roll and, and lose all of those like awkward silences. Yeah. That in itself is a job. And then on top of that, you've got to get all your facts right. You've got to get your timings right. Um, you've got to make sure that you give equal amounts of opportunity to people who want to speak, balance mm -hmm. the argument. There, there is so much in that job. Um, the hardest part for me was reading the scripts because oh, really? I hate reading. Yeah. Like, I would rather you bullet point everything and I do it myself and I have made a made a lifetime in my work of not having auto cue because I hate it and if you can be fluid and natural that's that makes you a better presenter so yeah. when I went to TalkSport and the way that they script is um, you come back from a break and they'd suddenly throw a news story at you which you haven't had ch a chance to read yet yeah they probably cut and paste from an article and then you've got to get through it and it's not words and I, I it's like not words that you'd use because it's a written article. So like, you know, Jose Mourinho was thrilled with the performance. And I'm like, when would I ever use the word thrilled? Yeah, I, yeah. I don't. So the learning curve for us a lot working together was like, please like, don't script me, just just bullet point or give me a chance to read the article and I'll, I'll regurgitate it myself. Yeah. So those things are quite hard with radio because it changes every section. You could have a running order the night before. And then it just I don't totally read flips, it. Yeah. I'd never read it because oh, it wow. changes so much. Because no, you're no sick point. of your job. <laughs> it's just, there's no point yeah. because it will change so quickly. Yeah. So don't tell my producer that. I'll read it in the morning, but again, it will change from the night before or through the show. Um, Telly is so different as well because you're you're not only thinking about everything that you have to say, you're also thinking about like what, what's my hand doing? Yeah. Um, um do I look yeah, alright? My shoulders down. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah um, is my yeah. face too like like tall or something like that? Yeah. There's there's all these different and also telly's worse because you have so much going on in your ear at the time. I hate so that. So much. I think that is one of the hardest things to do. Mm. Having someone in your ear to give you like you know beats and and stuff to hit yeah. and you're just like right okay we've only got 30 <laughs> more seconds anyway. because and i'm speaking to josh about this because he had that throughout the whole euros with the lines there yeah. right? and then i did one kind of roaming reporter one with dens in the first weekend and so i had to have that in my ear and we were all linked up me josh the producers back in st george's park Director. and the producers on set in kennington where i was everyone talking and trying to be like, okay, right now, Josh, intro. And I have only ever had that once before. Where, and I was like, I forgot how hard it was mm. to then hear it, take it in, but also forget about it and actually just focus on chatting and then mm. reacting to, I was chatting to Glenn Johnson, listening to his answers and being like, oh yeah, cool. And then instead of, okay, next question. And then I'm like, oh my God, I just can't, yeah. what am I doing? Yeah. So I didn't realize that. that. That is again, one of the I think something that people wouldn't realise is like so difficult. And now I'm, I have so much respect for, yeah. now that I've been there, I'm in the arena. You're I've been it. in the arena. Yeah. Now I can realise it's like, it's so hard. Yeah, the, really impressive if the, people can do it. The worst bit is when um, a producer says something to you about like, okay, wrap it up after this yeah. or go to this one next or wants to ask a question and you've got everything in your head and you know what you want to say and then he'll speak over your interviewee's answer and you won't hear what he said and then you're like oh shit like, yeah and and sometimes they might throw you a question back yeah, and then and you like, go anyway okay. <laughs> yeah you're like okay thanks so yeah, yeah. you just like mugged them off yeah. and, and people are like why did you do that yeah. but also like your brain like under pressure your brain does the most maddest thing yeah your mind does maybe yeah. like i always think i have a bizarre brain anyway like i'm sure when I was younger, I had OC, ADHD. Everyone it, does. It's just everyone's something. Got, everyone's yeah. weird in That's their own ways. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, I always remember it was so bad. Um, 
I was doing uh, Super Sunday and I used to do the team news. I thought, oh, I nailed that. And it was always the most difficult part of my job because you're given two minutes before the, you have to break it live. So you don't have a lot of time doing the ins and outs. I remember the, I can't remember the game, but there was like five changes on both sides or something like that. So you've oh, got to do all, this man. person's injured, this person's suspended. Yeah. That's a genuine swap. Why has he done that? All that sort of stuff. And um, I remember being like, um, right, nailed that team news, really chuffed. And this was at a time where I used to look at Twitter while I was working and sat down and I was like, right, no one can have a go at me about that. My yeah. producer was happy with me and stuff fresh Twitter and it was like oh, no. why is John Joe Shelby playing today uh, and it was like Newcastle was not even play and I was like what and I'd basically instead of saying John Joe Kenny I'd said John Joe Shelby <laughs> and everyone was like what's John oh, Joe Shelby no. doing and I and I remember being like my dad's a Newcastle fan and this was like around 2016 so it was like we were all like oh I wonder if John Joe Shelby's gonna get a shout yeah. in the bloody yeah. Euros all that sort of shit and um I don't even know why it was the season afterwards he just because of John Joe he just crept into my head but the scariest point for me was I didn't even register I'd said it. Yeah. So I was like, this is a perfect read. Like I've absolutely nailed it. Because you're on autopilot, aren't you? And sometimes it just happens and your brain like short changes you. It's really annoying. Yeah. Um, but it, it's funny for me now, but at the time it, it hurt me because like someone clipped it up on Twitter and was like, this is why women should stay in the kitchen and oh, all that sort of shit. It's so and I was just bad. Like, oh my God. You're not allowed, you're not afforded any mistakes. Yeah. Like that's TV for you. Yeah. And because of this like, age where you can rewind pause film social media you're fucked so yeah. like and because anything you do are you, are you are you on social media now like you're on yeah. twitter and everything yeah, right? yeah, yeah. and you actually stay up today and you no you not, try and yeah stay and clear of it a little bit i it's a real tug of war um during that time my first season doing the show during lockdown and all that sort of stuff i had to delete twitter off my phone really it was yeah. that bad because it what the problem was Talksport is opinion radio so Sky, like, don't really get any hate on Sky because you're not really giving an opinion. It's fairly factual. Yeah. It's reading information. Yeah, exactly. Than, yeah. Talksport, I had to really work for their respect and for their trust and for their, um, I suppose, for them to like me in that role. I had to really work L for that. When you say them, do you mean Talksport or you mean the viewers the, and the, the audience? The listeners, yeah, yeah the, the listeners. audience, the, okay. yeah, whatever, however they're listening. Um, and my producer at the time was like, the way it had been put out there was like, it's a new dawn, like, you know, Alan Brazil's going for two days a week. And then they just shoved me and it was like, Laura Woods. And you give that to an audience that's used to somebody for 20 years. And then you time, make it a female. It? And then you make out like, I, di I, I didn't feel like the way, I, I wanted to do it quietly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wanted and to take be, be some almost steps. sort of like babied in a little yeah, bit, you know. I wanted it like that, but it was like a big thing. And it was at a time where the world was so angry, like COVID had just happened. Yeah, yeah. And we and had just, everything's so polarised, isn't it? So it's yeah. either you're for or against something. Exactly. So then as soon as it's a woman into this thing, it's yeah, like, Yeah, it was oh just hideous. Yeah. And um, I always remember Freddie Flintoff said it as well. He was like, he got the same. And he was like, I never even taken over Top Gear from Clarkson. He was like, I've never experienced hate like that. Really? Yeah. The Talksport online audience are different to the to the listeners. They are they're Just different. So vocal, right? They are so spiteful and vocal and, and really go for you. And one of my bosses, I, I remember one day I was like, well, I just don't, I genuinely, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it anymore. Oh. And um, he was like, look, he was like, my best advice to you is do what you always do and just go and win them over. And I was like, fuck. Because so, as soon as somebody challenges you, that's when you kind of go, oh, all right, fine, yeah, I'll do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So I always had that in my mind, just win them over. And then as soon as sport came back, and we had something to talk about, and you can kind of prove to people. You know your shit. Yeah. You know you're good at presenting it. Yeah, yeah. Then, then it just got a lot easier, and now it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so like you, you get through shit, you yeah. do, eventually. It's always you look back, and there's, there's probably so many examples of like those times where you're like, I'm out of my depth, I'm out of my depth, keep doing it. Okay, yeah. I'm slightly less out of my depth. Oh, now I'm fine. Yeah. It's like, it is like that, I think, every time. And I think that's obviously, it's quite a good thing. It's brave, but it's mm. a healthy thing to keep doing in your career because that's when you know you're yeah. keeping on progressing. Yeah. I always remember I had a job as a um, waitress when I was 16. I, I almost cried on my first day because I just didn't know where anything was and yeah. I didn't know how to use the till. And I, I thought I'd never be able to learn how to use this fucking till. Excuse my language, but it was at the time that's awful. Awesome. And um, I figured it out. And then once I learned how to use it, I still think about that till. Because any time I have this job, a new job where I don't think I can do it, 
I think about the till and I'm like, well, you figure the till out. So yeah, you're like, true. you'll figure this out. And you always do if you work hard enough. Yeah, exactly. That's it. If you trust your work ethic as mm. well, like, you, you know. And also, that's a really like tangible way of being like, you can literally learn. Yeah. So it's like, there's a till, there are buttons. I've now remember them. I know them all. Rather <laughs> yeah. than like presenting, it's quite a, it's like an intangible thing of like knowing you can get better. It's like, because it's personal preference yeah. and the way you deliver stuff. It's yeah. not as tangible. It's like, buttons now I know all of them yeah I'm sick. presenting's funny because you you come across so many different people in the world and your knowledge is never going to be my knowledge will never be Ali McCoy's knowledge mm. and I always wanted to be the most knowledgeable person in the room so I'll never stop reading I'll, I'll always like everything I do on social media I'm, I'm absorbing everything yeah. I'm, I follow everyone because you I want to consume wanna, a lot exactly right? yeah. it's all about consumption literally and the best thing that you can do if you're if you want to go into presenting sport or reporting on sport it's just never ever stop reading and even like newspapers are like die and breed and all that sort of stuff like know who all the journalists are yeah. and know what you like yeah. and as soon as you you become so obsessed with something and immersed in it that you don't miss anything so that job on talk sport people always ask like do you get in three hours early and you're like no because I don't, I'm, I'm only topping up knowledge now. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. You, yeah. you know everything and, you're, than... and you never take a step out of it because it's literally your life. So yeah. that's how, I think that's how I stay on top of it, but also enjoy it. Yeah, it, it's sort of in a similar vein to like knowing your stuff as well. It's like never pretending to know something you don't. Yeah, I don't. Because also point. if you don't know something, you don't know it, but yeah. like don't pretend because then you will eventually, you, you might get away out. with it once or twice, yeah. you will get found out. Yeah, and ask questions. There's, no, there's literally nothing wrong with asking questions. That's why you're there. Like yeah. you have these experts, they're the ones that have done it on the pitch. So just, you know, just being generally curious yeah. is one of the best traits I think you can have. 100%. Going on from that, I would like to, uh, I would love to know if there was one person that you've now like worked with right throughout you know TV or radio or whatever that like you were genuinely impressed but obviously a lot of people you work with really good at what they do right but is there one person that you you remember being like this person is so good at their job pundit can I have a pundit yeah 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 Neville Gary yeah, Neville yeah Gary Neville you genuinely like you're sick yeah just just think he's the best guy for many different reasons when i first met him i was working on a friday night football and i was like put in there just to do like bits of um reporting and stuff like that mm. and um i was terrified of him because i'd never worked with him i'd seen him around sky all the time and like um i know everything about him but i never worked with him yeah and when he's not on air and if he doesn't know you he just looks stern, doesn't he? In yeah, general. yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. And you know his reputation and all that sort of stuff and whatever. So I was terrified of him. First day I ever worked with him, um, I remember it was at Brighton and Kelly Cates was there as well and the three of us, I had to interview both of them. And he was so great and he asked loads of questions and he was genuinely interested and he made me feel like one of the team. Yeah. And I always remember he invited me to the um, Christmas party and it was like Jeff Shrews, Kelly Cates, Jamie Carragher, Gary Neville, the yeah, producers. These people who have been there for years. Yeah, as well, yeah, me on the end of the table. And I was just like, oh, and I, I, and I felt so out of place. Yeah. And um, But he was so welcoming. And, and honestly, I've said this before about Gary Neville, what I, what I love about working with him, whenever I work with him, is that he drags your standard up. Because if, really? if you're below par and you're not on his level, it shows. Yeah. So you always want to meet his level, meet yeah. and match his level. So yeah. I'll work harder when I know I'm working with Gary. Like I'll, I'll speak to him beforehand and I'll be like, right, this is what I'm thinking. And, 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 he, and he'll always be like, well, just fine, do whatever you want. And yeah. I'll be like, no, 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 no. Like I want to know more and I want to yeah. do more because I want to be at the same level as That's you. amazing. Yeah, and he's wicked. And the, the, another really great thing about Gary is he is a champion of women. So okay. he's got little girls, he's got like two little girls and mm. I'm convinced, I've never asked him this, but I'm convinced he, and obviously his wife, lives with women. So he, he obviously understands women and yeah. sort of sees why you need to maybe in some scenarios, just give them a little bit more support. Yeah. Um, and I've always been appreciative of that from Amazing. him. Yeah, I just think he is. What guy? He, you, I will never work with Gary and not learn something. Amazing. Mm. That's like, it really reminds me of like, have you, did you watch the Last Dance? The yeah. Doc about yeah. Michael Jordan and literally hearing from Michael Jordan and his teammates and his teammates being like, he was just relentless. 
but it literally helped us because we had to raise our game. Because yeah. it's Michael Jordan and he's yeah. outworking everyone. It's and literally Gary Neville is the Michael Jordan. Yeah, but, well, no, we're not going to give him that much. Are we doing that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Michael Jordan of broadcasting, Gary Neville. What he did he is. used to do in his previous life? Oh, some sort of right back sometimes. <laughs> really yeah. average right back. Yeah, was, he was all just right. joking. Yeah. No, honestly, he's the best. And, and the way that he analyzes things, I will, I will forever watch him. And if I could, I write a lot of notes anyway, but yeah. if, I, if I could, I will always write notes because I just, I just think he, there's something about the way, and the one thing actually, sorry, I know I'm talking a lot, but um, I guess that's, that's the, the point. Whole, that's the point of the show, <laughs> the point, yeah. isn't it? Um, there's this one thing that um, I heard when I was working at Sky and just before I was working with Gary Neville, yeah. and it was about Gary Neville as a commentator. So the first time he ever commentated, um, and he, do you know what? I think I actually heard this. With Martin Tyler, probably. Like yeah. Co-coms. I think I actually heard this when he did the podcast with Joe Barton, maybe. Yeah. Joe Barton used to do a really good podcast yeah. and Gary was on it and it was one of my favourite episodes. And um, Gary said when he started commentating, he was putting on somebody else's voice. Yeah. And it was just like how I felt when I started yeah, reporting yeah. and presenting. And he was almost like, well, that was a good shot. And then, you know, almost kind of saying things that he wouldn't normally say and using words that aren't in his vocabulary. Yeah. And the producer at the time was called Scott Melvin. Okay. And Scott Melvin said to him, pulled him aside and was like, why are you talking like that? And he was like, well, I thought that was what I'm meant to do. And he was like, no, 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 like, just talk like you, talk like the way that you talk all yeah. the time to your mates, to your teammates, to your family, whatever. So the next time he we went and commentated, he just did him. And it, that was his breakthrough. Amazing. And then he just became Gary Neville, and who I think is the best commentator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Co coms. I think he's the best one. Ali McCoy is also a great one. Oh, yeah. Ali. During the Euros, Ali McCoy was Oh, my nice God, show. he was sensational. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, nothing sorry, short sorry. of sensational. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I always remember that because it's along the same lines as just like being authentic. Yeah. Always be authentic. Yeah. And finally, there is like finding your voice, isn't it? Literally, yeah. Even for people you look at now, and it's like Gary Lineker. Back in the day, had to find his yes. voice in the same way. And Gary was Neville. Dreadful, my mum used to say. Yeah. Oh, really? Right, right at the beginning, my mum used to say to me. Gary Lineker was shit at his job. Imagine God, that. Michelle, she used to say Gary Lineker, and she always says it to me. Anytime I have a shit day at work, she just goes, Remember, Gary Lineker was shit. And you're like, Oh, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> oh, this easy. <laughs> she genuinely says it. It's amazing. That's so good. Okay, so Gary Neville's the OG. Ledge. Yeah, 100%. I love that. I mean, there's loads of other great ones, but Gary. Yeah. Of course, yeah, just like step above. One thing I wanted to know, because because this has affected me, right? With uh, my job and like working in football, right? Uh, has it at any point made you less of a fan or made you fall out of love with the game? Because for me, it's been when I was at Copper, mm -hmm. fully loved it, loved my job, and I was so focused on football, there was nothing else, no other sport, nothing, right? Mm -hmm. There was a time at the end of that, and then I was like, sort of fell, fell out of love with it, and didn't even watch Arsenal that much, and whatever, and I was like, I just didn't, and now I'm kind of refining the love of it almost yeah. in the last like few months. The big problem with Sky is the travel. So like the travel to games and the travel back is sometimes long if you're going to like the Burnley, Newcastle. Yeah. yeah, like it's, I speak to people all the time, like young people and they're like, oh, I bet it's the most amazing job. And I'm like, no. It is, like, it is but it isn't. Yeah, yeah. The, the, what you see is brilliant and that's obviously the best bit, but the bits around it are chaos. So the traveling event last season, it got to me and the reason it did is because there were no fans there. Yeah. So that's the first time I've looked at my job and gone, I don't think I want to do this anymore. Yeah. And the buzz that you get when you cover a live sport, I don't know how it feels like to be a player, but there is a buzz for me as well. Like yeah. when I when I go pitch side and you look at all the fans and, and then the play, like I still love when you're allowed in the tunnel, which you always were before COVID, I always want to take a, like a, an area behind the players that when they walk out, so mm. you can see that they're two lines and all those little bits behind the scenes. And, I, and it still wows me. I still think it's the best moment ever. It is unbelievable. There is like li live sport. It's nothing it's, like it's, it. it's sort of like li live music as well. There's yeah. always sport and there's always music that you can watch, right? But it's, there, it's it being in that moment where the, the energy is so high yes. and it's like this, I don't know, it's the fact that no one knows what's going to happen and yeah. this is fucking amazing, you know what I mean? And, and like, it's such a basic thing to r almost realise, but then when, you there, when you're there, you, you do realise like that's why we're all here. Yeah, which is why when there were no fans, it just felt like... Was that crap for you? Like it was boring? I like... hate, honestly, I can't explain it. Like, and I know people will say, well, at least you got to go to the games, but 
I'm just saying like how it felt, like it suddenly felt like a job. Yeah, that was literally, I was about to say that. It's like, it must have just felt like yeah. I'm doing a reporting job. I'm like, rather than like, oh, I get to just live my life and this is what I yeah. do. It's like literally a reporting job. Yeah, and they felt it too. You could yeah. tell like it, it was a slog for everyone involved. Everyone was kind of like, let's just get through this. That's, you know, like, and it was a season and a half, you know, it was a long time, a long yeah. time in the end. Um, next season will be, I. the only thing is, I, I remember driving to games and, and you know, speaking to my producer and being like, oh, fuck, like, this isn't, I don't think this is for me now. And I, and I was getting really down about it. And then as soon as you got there and you go live and you start talking about things, and I suppose you start interacting with actual people, yeah. um, it would kick in again. Yeah. And then you'd kind of go, oh, okay, I know why I'm here. But yeah, it was tough last season. Yeah. Has that changed your perspective at all? Like in terms of the future of like, this is what you want to do still? Well, I think, I think, that whole season and a half, you almost have to park it because it's, it's not, not real. a real representation. It doesn't exist. Yeah, it just, yeah. It just doesn't exist. Like, <laughs> Liverpool were never champions. Like, you know what it doesn't happen. Um, you almost have to park it and, and go, right, let's just reassess and see how next season is. Yeah. And, and I guarantee it will be back again. But no, it didn't. It's not taken the shine off of how I feel about sport. It does make me view it in a different way sometimes. Okay. Like, I will... I will really analyse in a game of football if I'm watching it with my friends and family um, on telly, I'll be really interested in what happens at half time. So away from the game, I'll yeah. be interested in what points they're picking up on, what questions yeah. they're asking. Like that that's my, the way my brain works. Okay. Nice, oh, interesting. Mm. Okay, and with like design boxing, obviously you love like a lot of sport anyway. Yeah. But is that like gonna be a big part of your yeah. future? You wanna like do more? This this for stuff? me, this for me was like was so like the first fight camp was insane like it was so good yeah and the good thing about the crossover i remember when i took that job and people were like what does she know about boxing and all this sort of stuff and like we actually do a lot of boxing on Talksport. yeah we interview a lot of fighters and like it, what's been amazing is like for the first couple of weeks a lot of that has crossed over like i worked with josh warrington and kid galahad and just before their fight what two years ago now we had them both on Talksport, and it was brilliant and they were both talking about like the importance of of the fight that was coming up and like Kid Galahad, I always remember, was talking about the fact that he doesn't have a family, a wife, kids like like Josh Warrington yeah, does, yeah, and yeah. like his his life and his soul is literally into boxing. Then when I was interviewing him post fight, and it was a, I don't know if you got to see it at all, Jazza Dickens, no. it was amazing. He he was brilliant. For Kid Galahad, it was a brilliant performance, but also like the best night of his life, like IBF World Title, like all that sort of stuff. And his post fight interview, because I'd learned all that about him like a couple of years ago it makes you, it gives you a lot more empathy and it makes you much more, that, that, this is what I'm talking about, about absorbing information so that like whenever you see these people again, you remember what you spoke to them about and it just influences what you say to them. And I spoke to him afterwards and he was like, thank you for giving me um, the platform to like tell my story Amazing. and like helping me out in, in telling my story. Yeah. And, um, and that really meant a lot to me because I just thought, there's something about boxing. I've never worked in it before. Yeah. There's something about it that I really like and that I'm really drawn to. Okay. So it feels like a it feels like I'm getting that like new exciting buzz again yeah, about something yeah, yeah. that you, you have when you start a new job. Yeah. And I love it, like it's wicked. I've only done two fights, like or two fight camps though, and it's just it's so cool. That's so good. Mm. So next five years or obviously we've you literally been talking plan. about <laughs> No, yeah, literally we've been talking the whole thing about like never had a plan, don't need a plan. But like do you have do you have any yeah. Like aims or targets of like, yeah. this is what I want to be doing eventually at some point or? I really, I really want to work on the World Cup. I really do. Me too. Yeah. That'd be sick. Yeah, it'd be great. Like I want to host football. I want to host live football. That's been like my aim for a long time. So yeah. even though I say I've not got a five year plan, like it's just always it's my goal. still an aim to have. Yeah. yeah so it's always my goal. So, I mean, that is a, that is a big, that's a big goal. But it's like next year, Qatar, for example. Yeah, we've like only got 18 hosting. months. It's the same way that like Alex Scott, for example, like she's been amazing. And I've talked to her, hopefully get her on she? for next season as well, because she <laughs> said she would. So I'm holding her to Come it. Come on, Scott, yeah, do exactly. it. It's not but that like, bad. She's obviously been amazing and her progression in, in yeah. this field as well has just gone crazy. And then like her hosting like the Olympics is sick. Like, so something like that, basically, like your yeah. equivalent, like World Cup. Yeah. Sick. It would, it would just, for me, it would just be like the pinnacle of everything. Like yeah. I would... I would, I would do anything for that job. Like yeah. 18 months time, like now is, is just about working towards trying to get that. Yeah, yeah. And being like, when you are a freelancer, it's up to you really. You've got to try and take those steps to, to 
match them all together, I suppose, yeah. and get that opportunity. So yeah, you're gonna do work. it. 100%. You put it out there now and obviously it's just you in it. You're it's an gonna affirmation, get there. isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, you will. Honestly, I, I would put like money behind you doing it. I believe in you that much. <laughs> really? I mean, yeah, obviously. How much? Oh, yeah, <laughs> no, so, yeah. No, no, depends no. how big your, your World Cup money is going to be. <laughs> so I can recoup some of it. <laughs> yeah. But I think, no, genuinely, I think whether it's a five-year plan or a one-year plan or an 18-month plan or whatever, like if it, having goals, I think, are actually important. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe not the exact like ten step or whatever, but like having goals and having a, a direction is great. But if you don't have one, it's just not. And yeah. everyone's so different, it's not aren't the they? It's not the end, end all, is it? No, yeah. no. Amazing, Woodsy. Thank you so much for thank coming you. on the show. I do appreciate it. I what way to end it? Final episode. It's Laura Woods. Oh man, are you going to do another one though? Another series? Yeah. Who are your Who's your wish list, Scotty? Um. So Wilshire. <gasps> Alex Scott. Arsenal uh, themed. KSI, yeah. hopefully. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's a few. Guys, I hope you enjoyed. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode and for the whole season um, since the show began. Honestly, I thank you so much because I just started a show and that's it, really. Um, and obviously, Woodsy, thank you so much for joining thank me as well. Thank you for having Absolutely me. Thanks, Mikey. Legend. Obviously, follow her up. You'll see her on Sky and World Cups <laughs> and everything, so you'll know her. But uh, anyway, thank you guys so much. I love you all. Like, comment, subscribe for more. Um, and... Stay tuned for season two coming soon.